0: Friends, welcome back. Uh, round two of the AFLW is all finished up. Um, we've had the first game completely disrupted by COVID for the year. I am sure there'll be more. Um, the Bulldogs Brisbane game was completely postponed. I think. I think I don't know exactly why. I think it was something. That I think the Brisbane girls couldn't get down here. It, it, something to do with COVID. I don't know. But they'll they'll get it they'll get it done at some other stage. Not sure when. Um, so yes, we only had the six games this week, and there was actually one or two surprising results, which is not something you get a whole lot um, in the AFLW. So it was it was not a bad not a bad round of football at all. So let's get into it. I the second best the, the and the down there. face of the back. How good a the play was that by the superstar. First up on Friday night, it was Richmond versus Melbourne. Um, Melbourne getting over the line against a very competitive Richmond by 16 points at Punt Road Oval. Are Richmond good? Are they going to be good this year? Like, not good, good. Like, they're not going to beat the really good teams, you know. Melbourne, Fremantle, Adelaide, they're going to struggle against them, but... Apart like you know they they let Melbourne kick six goals in a row in the second quarter, including one late in the first quarter, I should say um but apart from that, they were probably better than them for the for the uh, apart from that brief period where Melbourne absolutely belted them um they were better, so I think Richmond should be really pleased with how they went. Monique Conti played another absolutely brilliant game um they have twenty five touches and a goal against Melbourne you know, in a loss is a pretty good effort. Um, Katie Brennan, also very good again. Um, Melbourne just, you know, Melbourne are very, very experienced at this stage. They're a very good side. Um, Lots of good players. What I like about Melbourne is they're very even across the board. You know, you, you got the club, some clubs have got the, you know, one or two A graders. Melbourne, I mean, they've got plenty of very good players, but they haven't got a Brianna Davey, a Monique Conti, you know, Aaron Phillips, Matty Presparkis, you name it. Any, any, they haven't got, you know, a top 10 player in the comp, you wouldn't think. So they play a really good team game. They move the ball really well. And, yeah, they were just able to blow Melbourne apart and just in that second quarter. But Sorry, they were able to blow Richmond apart in that second quarter. But Richmond is like... Richmond, they've totally changed how they're moving the ball they move it fast they move it efficiently I was really really impressed with how they played yeah they, they they lost by just under three goals but they should be absolutely thrilled with how they went and I think at some point this year they are going to beat a team they have absolutely no right to beat they're going to bob up and beat you know someone like a Collingwood. Or a North Melbourne, one of those good teams that isn't right at the top, but you know is is going to be playing finals. I think they will beat one of those teams this year. That's that's the way that they're playing, and you know the 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 quality of the players that they've now developed and you know have brought into the club really really well done to Richmond. Um, the, another goal of the year contender in this game as well. Uh, Alyssa Bannon, um, from Melbourne. Got the ball halfway up the ground. Just ran and bounced and ran and ran and kicked a goal from 30 metres out. So it was an absolute ripper. All right, on to the next game. Saturday afternoon. Oh, this is one I'd rather forget. So it's looking like it's going to be a pretty ugly season for St. Kilda. Um, This was not a good game the scoreboard at the end of the game flatters us a little bit we kicked two goals in the last quarter which made it look a little bit better but oh boy ooh the the first you know the first three quarters the whole game really um not good it was everything excuse me it was everything that was going wrong last week but against a, a an even better team in Collingwood again, a very experienced, a very well drilled team in Collingwood, so yeah, it wasn't good at all we we couldn't we couldn't move the ball, we couldn't hit targets, we couldn't like we did we hardly went't like I think we had two or three behinds total for the first three quarters. we just couldn't score, we couldn't even have a shot at scoring, we had no synergy, no ball movement at all. It was really, really hard to watch. The, the back line was getting absolutely pummeled and doing their absolute best to just hang on for dear life. But gee whiz, we were really, really missing Smith and Petrikios. And I've been through, you know, what's going on there and how desperately we need, especially Petrikios back. Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, you know, Tani White and Olivia Vesely our best two players by a long way I thought they were both excellent especially um Vesely I, I think she was pretty good last week but she's coming back from a long term injury she she's back to her best now she she was really really good always gives 100% she's got you can see she's got really good endurance because she is always where the ball is so often you know even if it's the Richmond players who have got it She's right there trying to get it off them all the time. Same with Tani White. You know, I think this is something that she's brought into her game that she didn't have last year. Going into much more midfield time, she is always where the ball is, the two of them. I was really impressed with both of them in a game where we were getting absolutely smashed. um, I think, and this comes back to, you know, letting Poppy Kelly go to Richmond in the last offseason, we're really struggling in the ruck. So I I think... Leah Cutting is going to be okay, but I don't know how she goes. I don't know about her as a long-term rock option. So I think I actually really like what she does around the ground. I think she's a good runner and her skills aren't perfect, but it seems like she makes good decisions. But what I really liked was who relieved her when she had needed to have a break. It was in the second quarter or something. Um, Griser went into the ruck and and Greiser had hardly had a touch across the you know last week and the first half of this week she was hardly sighted at all she hasn't hit the scoreboard um so to see her get into the middle of the ground get a bit of the ball I think was a really really good move now Nicky Dow wasn't there he was out with you know a covid whatever they say the AFL health and safety is he's a close contact or something like that So he wasn't able to beat at the game, which is a bloody bugger. Um, And it was one of the assistants who was coaching. I forget who. But that was a very good move. Get Greiser into the game. The longer she goes without impacting a game, her confidence is going to start to drop and drop and drop. And then, you know, she's going to be no good to anyone. So yeah, I like and she and she played quite well. She's got big, strong body. So she and you know and the height. So she's good to have in the ruck. I think you know she might not have the endurance to cover the entire ground and be a, a full time ruck, but as a backup ruck, I, I like her quite a lot. Um, I liked the decisions at selection. So to drop McCarthy and to drop Ray Watt, two of the more experienced players, two of the leaders. Um, they underperformed both of them. Last week. So um, I liked that they were both brought back in. Kate Sheila ca- came back in after a, after a COVID. Um, you know, after an AFL health and whatever week off. Same with Molly McDonald. They were both pretty good. Um, Tilly Lucas-Rod back in defense, I think, is the way to go with her. I think with Tani White and Olivia Vesley not doing too bad at all in the middle. Um, and then whoever, Rosie Dillon usually is the third one in there. Um, and then Molly on the wing and, you know, all that. Um, yeah, I liked Tilly back in defense. I think it makes it, it, it just works better. I think getting it out of the back line, out of fullback is very, it's difficult for the best teams. Um, you know, let alone, let alone some of the weaker teams. So getting out of the Getting out of defense is something that we struggled with and have struggled with, but having Tilly sort of around that half back line helps a lot with the ball movement out of that part of the ground. But yeah, look, um as I said last week, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of this year just with the, you know, the players that we have out. But I need something I need a little bit more. I can't have three goalless quarters every week that's that's not going to do it for me that's not going to do it for the rest of the fans so we need to be a little bit more competitive i'm not sure who we've got next week actually um and i'm i would like to see again you know a little bit of movement at selection um don't don't let you know it's hard to be brutal at selection when the the entire team has been beaten so resoundly um But there's always players who can go. There's always ones who aren't playing their role, who aren't giving the effort required. So I want to see a bit of motivation at selection um, for the Saints girls because we actually don't often see it for the Saints boys. I don't mind saying that at all. Um, Yeah, bitterly disappointing. Um, Collingwood are a very good team. They're, They're a proper good team. Again... I really like how they move the ball. I'm starting to see, the more I watch, I'm starting to really see the big differences between the lower teams and the higher teams. It is all about ball movement, speed, and efficiency. Big differences, right? The the confidence to get the ball and just go. Um, the The synergy... That you, that you get with playing more football with your teammates. Like having, uh, I think this I think the average more games experience that each Collingwood player had over each St Kilda player on the week- weekend was 10 games. I think that's what they said on the coverage. So even just that 10 extra games across the board together makes a whole lot of difference. You start to understand where your teammates are going to be. You start to understand what they're thinking about, what you're doing. Um, you better understand the decisions that they're gonna make and what they want you to make. You know, knowing what your teammate wants from you is, is just as important as what you want from them. There's a there's an unspoken connection and understanding that develops the more that you, you know a team plays together. So Um, that's going to happen for all the teams that are sort of down the bottom, the, you know, another season or two in the league and it'll be a lot, lot more even. Um, but yeah, you could really see it on display with this Collingwood side and, you know, that they scored quite successfully. They got plenty of good players, even Chloe Malloy out. They had no issue scoring at all. Um, so I think this is Sabrina Frederick's second year at Collingwood. I think she was there last year, um, she is a very dangerous player. She's she's one of the very tall forwards in the league. Um, and, uh, you know, they sort of said on the coverage that she hasn't quite reached her potential. And, you know, this is in terms of goal scoring and, and that sort of thing. But what she did a couple of times really well was use her body. She draws the ball. And if she isn't going to mark it, she gets it to ground. And they got a couple of goals that way. So... Yeah, they they got plenty of weapons, Collingwood, and I think they're going to do quite well this year. All righty, on to the next game. Where are we? Um, ah, yes, the Battle of the Press Parker Sisters. So this only got to happen because of the fixture change due to COVID, so they actually weren't scheduled to play each other, these two teams, at all this season. Um, so that's a bit of fun that they got to. That was cool. Um, and it was not a bad game. Very low scoring. Um, thirty-one to seventeen, Carlton's way. But again, Geelong, a newer team, not being able to quite win, but still being competitive. They were definitely competitive. You know, they they've kicked two goals, five, so they kick a little bit straighter, and they they've done quite well. Granted, Carlton didn't kick very straight either. Um, yeah, I thought they were very competitive. That they, they they again moved the ball well. It's just that Carlton are, again, a more experienced team and they've got just a little bit more of that A-grade talent played together for a bit longer and this is just going to happen. But, you know, for Geelong to keep them to 31 points, only four goals, um, that's a really good effort, I think. Um, Maddie will have uh, bragging rights over Georgie. Until they play again next. Um, And Maddie was probably best on ground as well. She she had 30 touches or something. I thought she was very, very good. It'll be interesting to see who out of the two sisters ends up being the better player. Because obviously Maddie is one of the best players in the comp at the moment. But Georgie was a number two draft pick. So her potential is very, very high. High potential? Is that the right? Big, big potential great potential. She's got a lot of potential. Um, so yeah, that'll be super interesting. But yeah, not a whole lot to say about that game. Geelong should hold their heads high. Carlton got the job done. Simple as that. righty. Oh, now let's talk about this game. West Coast versus Gold Coast. I would consider this an upset. So Gold Coast getting over the line by 13 points. Now, neither of these teams are particularly strong, but I believe, if I remember correctly, West Coast have been in the comp 12 months longer than the Gold Coast have. And they have definitely been a stronger team the last couple of years. Gold Coast haven't won a game since 2020. So, definitely been a stronger team. But this was an unbelievable game. Unbelievable. And Gold Coast have shown how a less experienced team can win. They won off their pressure, their tackling pressure was overwhelming for the Eagles, they had no answer for it, and it was a very competitive game, and the Eagles experience and polish started to show a little bit in the last quarter, halfway through the last quarter they were 16 points in front, West Coast you're like right, they got this sewn up, just got to settle down, hang on for a bit, and then Gold Coast kicked 5 goals in a row, in about 10 or 15 minutes of football. I don't think we've ever seen that in a final quarter of an AFLW game. A comeback like that, with half a quarter to go, is, is unheard of. It, it's it, like, it's like often that you won't get five goals kicked in an entire game. But to kick... for It was an eight goal last quarter, like both teams combined. Five goals in the last half of the last quarter, to end up winning by 13 points. That is unbelievable. That is an unbelievable effort. Well, I'm sure there isn't a huge betting market for the AFLW, but anyone who was following the betting market closely, at that time, West Coast, 16 points up, halfway through the last quarter, they'd be as short as you could get. But no, Gold Coast... I'm 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 specious. I can't believe it. I'm so proud of them. I I don't follow them at all. I couldn't I couldn't care less if they win or lose. But I'm so rapt that a, that a less experienced team has done this. That is an like imagine how exciting that would be, being them being their fans to see them do that in the last quarter. Very very impressive. West Coast, what are you doing? What are you doing? Seriously, like. The, the more experienced teams, yeah, they're, they're going to have the, the talent, but they can't just have the talent or just the experience. They need to do the basic stuff well. They need to have pressure to apply because this can happen. You're going to come up against a weaker team on a good day for them, and if you're not careful, they're going to put you to the sword, and west coast probably got a little bit comfortable in the last quarter being 16 points up they're like oh no we're, we're good here and then out of nowhere they weren't good here it happens you got to be switched on oh man it's a oh it's so impressive by gold coast i think like you know because it's the it's the girls football it isn't going to be talked about a whole lot but I think this is a seriously impressive victory. Since I've been following, you know, the entire league closely, this is one of the most impressive victories I've seen. And, you know, who was who their best player? Gold Coast. It, it, I believe it was Charlie Robottom. I can't see, just looking at the stats, anyone with better numbers. She's the number one draft pick. It's her second game. How exciting is that for the future of the Gold Coast and the future of the competition? And look at the stat of hers that is the most impressive. 12 tackles. 12 tackles. I don't think... I'm just going to see if anyone else in this game had that... nut. Nah. Next was Stanton, also for the Gold Coast, with 10. 12 tackles. In your second game as an eighteen-year-old, that is amazing. Like that, that is absolutely what they went into this game. This is what they had in mind. We're going to tackle them until they want to die, and that's exactly what they did. And this is a great blueprint for the lower teams and exactly how to win. Just, just pressure, 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 and, this, and the goals will come. It, you know, if. If, if coaches really want to just boil it down and make it as simple as possible, that would be a good way to coach. Just apply a heap of pressure and the rewards will come. Oh, I am... This is so good for the entire competition to have a game like this. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, so good. All righty. Next game. Where are we? I believe it was Adelaide versus North Melbourne, and it was Adelaide getting over the line by thirteen points. Um, pretty, I mean, pretty straightforward. This game, like you, you would think that Adelaide are a touch better than Melbourne. They've gone two and zero now, and that's basically how the entire game went. Adelaide just led, just by by enough throughout the entire game, and North just couldn't quite. Get in front. Um, pretty, like, you know, not an uneven contest, not a bad game. Um, but, yeah, Adelaide with just enough experience and polish to to hang on. Um, if you want to put your money on anyone to win the AFLW leading goal kicker this year, I'd be putting it on Ash Woodland. She's already kicked eight goals across the first two rounds, which is a lot of goals for the first two rounds. Four goals in each game. She is absolutely... Dominating in the goal kicking department. Um, hopes helps that Chloe, Chloe and Lloyd, you know, didn't play. Um, but now she she has been marking, kicking goals, getting heaps of the ball. She is extremely potent for Adelaide at the moment. So yeah, she's definitely one to watch in terms of the goal kicking. Something else to watch. In terms of this game, I don't know if this has been done on any of the other Channel Seven-covered AFL matches so far this year, but the clock was counting up. The clock for this game, in every quarter, for the entire quarter, was counting up. Now, I don't know if we've—I don't know if they've done that for other AFLW games this year or last year. But I haven't seen that since the old pre-Fox Footy five-minute warning days. You know, as soon as Fox Footy came in, everywhere, um, the, the, the clock counting up for any amount of time went the way of the Dodo. Five-minute warning or anything, it was gone, right? They just didn't do it anymore. It was quite refreshing, to tell you the truth, imagine how good that would have been in the Gold Coast-West Coast game, the clock counting up. That would have been amazing. Um, and, the, you know, the game got a little bit close to the end of this one as well, so it was a little bit exciting um, with the clock counting up, but yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Maybe they've been doing it and I just haven't been noticing, but this is the first time I've noticed, and it was kind of nice to see. You know, a bit of a throwback, bit of nostalgia, didn't mind it. Um but yeah, Adelaide had pretty good control this game. North North came a bit late um, and sort of tried to fight back. But yeah, Adelaide, especially in Adelaide, I believe it was, um, just a bit too good. So far, it's looking like Adelaide and Melbourne are definitely the two best teams going around. I would say that Melbourne look like they're playing a little bit better football. Um, but hope I don't know if they play each other during the season, but I am certain that they will meet during finals the way they are going. But yeah, that 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 clock counting up thing is interesting and I'll be on the lookout for it next week. Alrighty, and then the last game of the round was Fremantle versus the Goose. Uh, Fremantle getting over the line by uh twenty as it as it just loads for me. Getting over oh, excuse me, by thirty-two points. Uh, Fremantle were victorious by 7, 10, 52 to 2, 8, 20. Both teams could have kicked a lot, lot straighter. Um, The Giants kicked two goals in the first quarter and then didn't manage another major for the entire rest of the game. Very similar to St. Kilda's game, just the reverse. We only kicked goals in the last quarter. They only kicked goals in the first quarter. So again, this is, you know... This is a bit of bit more evidence as to the the large gap between the best and the worst teams in the competition. Fremantle is again one of those stronger teams. Um and I believe this was played in Fremantle, GWS, one of the less strong teams, not one of the super weak. But I believe them and West Coast came in in twenty nineteen, and then we had the four newer teams I think Gold Coast, Geelong, St Kilda, and Richmond come in twenty twenty. I believe that's how it went. So yeah, they're, they're not one of the youngest teams, but they're sort of in the middle. The Giants and I mean Fremantle really just had their way with them after quarter time. It was an absolute demolition. Uh, I just checked because it didn't quite seem right. They actually played this game at Widen Oval, um, and, and they they also played the um the Gold Coast-West Coast game at Witten Oval as well. So I wasn't quite on top of all of that. So, yeah, that's more uh, COVID interference, teams having to fly all over the place to be able to get games away. Um, I'm going to say something about that after I just finish talking about this game. Um, Fremantle another... Uh, oh, crikey. Fremantle are another team that I really like to watch. I like how they play. I like their forward line, very potent. Um, and for the second week in a row... Hayley Miller shows why she was made captain. I really, really like how she's playing. Another really good game from her um, is Skipper. Um, And yeah, look, Giants, it's just going to happen sometimes. Not a whole lot they can do. Um, Some teams are going to, I'm not, this isn't an an excuse at all, but some teams are going to struggle with a third season interrupted by COVID. Um, It's going to start to get a little bit much. So, you know, if that is playing on the minds of some players, especially a team that's based in Sydney, Sydney is not doing very well at all at the moment. Um, So, yeah, it's not the easiest time for anyone, especially on the eastern side of Australia, where there are lots of cases, but in Sydney especially, it's not going too well. So, you know, just something to consider when, you know, when a team from an area like that, has a really poor performance as well. I think. Um, just on this COVID stuff, uh, I think a lot of pe- like I don't want to downplay the seriousness of it at all. It's still a very very serious pr- problem that we got to deal with. Um, we've got to be vigilant. We can't start to get slack. But I think a lot of people, myself included, are really over it at this point. And I know you know just us being over it isn't enough for it to just go away. But I think with the percentage of people who are double vaccinated now and more people every day getting their third dose, getting the booster, I don't really, like I do, I do understand why it's still important to have restrictions and yada yada, all those things, because people who are vaccinated still can get sick. It can still happen. You can still get very sick and people are still dying, right? Right. But at at what point are things gonna really start going back to normal? Because, I don't know, because this this thing is so common cold-like, so flu-like, you know, it's just a more intense version of these things that we have all the time, I don't see how it's gonna go away permanently. I'm not an expert at all, don't get me wrong. But I think it's going to be something in our lives for a long, long time. Years, decades, I don't know. So at what point, at what level of vaccination are we not going to be under any, to- any kind of restrictions anymore? At what point are we just going to say, look, same with things like the flu. Some people are going to get it. And as unfortunate as it is, they're going to die. People get the flu and die every year. Not a lot, but people get it and they fucking die. It just happens. So I don't know at what point, because so many people, I don't know what the percentage is at, 90 something percent, right? And yeah, it is super contagious at the moment. And if we opened up everything, I think a lot of people would die. More than I think, well, I think the number that we would want to be zero but you know more than a number that I think would be that we would think is reasonable if that makes sense um, that sounded a bit shitty of me but you, you get what I mean I, I don't want to keep seeing these girls games have to be cancelled teams playing at you know neutral venues like in Melbourne because if this continues it's going to get into the men's season and we're going to see the same thing again you know games getting postponed because, you know, players have been in close contact. If, like, can you imagine, like, we're starting to lose the integrity here. We're talking about the asterisk again, you know? Say, Say it's September. Say it's grand final week. Let's say, same as last year, Melbourne versus the Bulldogs, right? In the week leading up, Christian Petrarca and Max Gorn are both close contacts and they can't play. What happens then? Do they postpone the game after they haven't postponed any other games throughout the season? Like, how is this going to work? I don't think it is going to work, right? And I really don't think we can totally rule out another lockdown. I don't think we can rule that out with the cases getting into the tens and tens of thousands. I know they've said there isn't going to be another one, but even if they don't do it, an official one, if they keep restricting hospitality and venue numbers, it's getting very close to a lockdown. So I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a comp, it's so complicated that most people, including myself, cannot comprehend the implications of every single little thing to do with this pandemic, even on a small scale. But I think we've got to get to a point where less and less things are being inconvenienced, not more and more things, right? People want to get back to traveling, you know? I work with a guy who's going to the Gold Coast next week because he's had it planned for ages. He's going with his mate, and they're going to have a great time. And he goes, Oh, I'm definitely going to get COVID. I said, yeah, you are definitely going to get COVID. That's just what he's going to have to deal with. He's assuming he's going to get it and he's going to take that bullet. So I don't know. I just think it's a it's a really interesting point in time of this vaccine. And just, just that the, the game between the dogs and Brisbane that got totally cancelled or technically postponed, but cancelled for now until they have a chance to Play it. I didn't think we were going to continue to see that in in the women's or the men's league. Well, I, I really, really don't want to see it anymore. You know, if if teams have to fly to different places, especially the WA-based teams, it makes a lot of sense. McGowan's being a bit of a prick about it all, um, but he is just trying to protect his state. To be fair, um, yeah, the flying to neutral venues is whatever, not a big deal. But games getting cancelled it, it just starts to get very very messy. I'm sure when it starts when it gets into the men's season, and you're talking over 200 games, I'm certain that Travis Old is not going to want any games postponed. He's going to pull what hair he has left right out of his skull. It'd be very stressful for him. Alright, that will do for this one, guys. Um really good round of footy. Um really really good. I hope the the improvement that we've seen this year continues for the rest of the season and I hope we see a couple more of these wins like what the Gold Coast had. I thought that was excellent. Now I hope we see less performances like we saw from St. Kilda and the Giants. Alright, remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Um go get your booster shot. If you can, if you're eligible, um, wherever you are, however you are affected by Omicron. I think, I think there's places in America going back into lockdown. I don't know. England's pretty stuffed wherever you are. I hope you're doing all right. Look after yourself. Um, try not to, you know, go around licking doorknobs or whatever, um, and yeah um rate review and subscribe i'll catch you next time bye